good scent gives birth to love and life. We foster passion to grow geniuses which lift humanity. And tailor technology to preserve liberty in balance with nature. Welcome, Welcome to Radical. Welcome to Radical, ladies and gents. I am your host, the ancient Shane Hazel. Thank you guys for being with me. Uh, as we continue to turn the page, there's obviously going to be transition in this as I as I get better at uh, at looking at you know the this picture of love of what I've been talking about um, and what I think I am seeking and finding is how am I going to take the understanding of you know what's going on in the world currently and how do we grab and and change the the these fiat narratives these these decreed narratives by the state and by the banks and by the corporations and by you know media and everything else like the, all of this stuff is is going to have to change at some point right and we are in a changing time uh, not only here in America, but around the world. It's really, it's one of those very interesting moments in history that you are living through. And what a moment to be able to recognize what it is, see solutions, and start to help people understand exactly how we get to those solutions from where we're at. Because a lot of what the world is telling you right now is super, super terrible. It's negative, right? Like we, we've got, you know, the war drums banging over in Europe. Um, we've got the war drums banging in uh, the, the South Pacific, and not just any, but like total annihilation of the human species. Instead of focusing on that, obviously, we should be calling for peace. Anybody who's not calling for peace right now, absolute fraud uh, and, and doesn't have any idea um, what they're doing. They're mad. They are, and I mean mad is in the crazy sense, like psychologically uh, they they don't have a real understanding of what war is. They don't have an understanding of the of the destruction of the depopulation. Uh, and this is just this is just normal war. We're not talking about you know, like thermonuclear war. We're talking about just normal normal warfare. Um, what we're seeing psychologically, even right now, is super destructive for you and for the next generation. Um, I'm the generation that, you know, is obviously out there and I know you guys are out there and I really appreciate you guys being here and listening to a guy that has less years, maybe more experience. I don't know. Um, but when, when we're looking at how are we going to change the future for the better, how are we going to love, uh, this population that's out there that wants to be mad, that wants to go to war that has psychological issues. I think, like I said, I think love is the only way to do any of this kind of stuff. So with that being said, uh, I've got an article today. It's by a guy named Jimmy Song. He's, uh, he's a, you know, a great, uh, you know, like a great person in this Bitcoin space. And he has done uh, a lot of development in Bitcoin. He's done uh, a bunch of educational things. He's an entrepreneur on top of being a programmer for over 20 years. And I don't agree with Jimmy on everything, right? Like there are some things that I will vehemently like disagree with him on. 
However, uh, I think he's got something in this article that we're going to read. And as we wrap it up, uh, it's probably about 15, 20 minutes, I'll come back and kind of talk about it. But uh, without further ado, in this episode, Jimmy Song, Bitcoin song sheet, fiat money has debased having children. The structure of familial support has been replaced with the encouragement of rent-seeking and reliance on government. Jimmy Song, October 10th, 2022. Everywhere around the world, birth rates are plummeting. Many European and East Asian countries are projected to decrease in population, and some, like Japan, are undergoing depopulation. Many people are not choosing to have children, and the ones that do have fewer, and have them later. The result is that the world is aging, which in turn is causing economic havoc. Pensions of various types, including Social Security in the United States, are horrendously underfunded. There just aren't enough people paying into the systems compared to the people withdrawing from them. We're fast reaching the stage where the inverted demographic pyramid will cause default, inflation, or an economic crash. This is all the more ironic since just 50 years ago, we were in the throes of Malthusism, fear-mongering, where population explosion was the big worry. What's going on? How is it that we got to where we are with so few children that elementary schools are closing in many places? Furthermore, how did we get here? Civilization obviously cannot progress unless we have humans and all humans have to pass through childhood. Why don't we value having more humans on Earth? Family Debasement As the title of this article states, much of the current attitude towards children is due to fiat money. This isn't some grand conspiracy by the WEF elites, per se, though I'm sure they'd like to take credit, but rather a horrible set of incentives. The past 100 years of fiat has been a story of a bigger and bigger dependency on the government. Social Security, for example, was initially a way to stimulate the economy, though the justification was to take care of people in old age. Universal health care, welfare, and the various cantillion effects were all ways fiat money enabled people to rent-seek from the bloated bureaucracy of government. What's unmistakable is that during this time, families have been getting smaller. A hundred years ago, family was not just the nuclear family, but a large number of aunts and uncles, cousins, and even second and third cousins. To be part of a family meant something, and your last name had a reputation. To give your children a good name was something people aspired to do. Nowadays, only very rich families, Rockefeller, or politically connected last names, Clinton, Bush, matter. Starting in the 50s, we started to get a bigger emphasis on the nuclear family. People identified themselves more with their immediate parents and siblings. The identification with the extended family grew less even as people started having fewer children. By the 80s, there were a lot more divorces and single-parent homes were a lot more frequent. So families grew even smaller. Nowadays, many people choose not to get married, and for them, the family has been reduced to the lowest possible number. 1. Dependence on Government What's striking over the past 100 years is how the family unit has not only grown smaller, 
but less and less necessary. Large extended families naturally provide a form of insurance against any individual hardship. Families used to have lots of children because each additional person would be an asset to everybody else. A large family benefits not only by having more kids to ensure a legacy, but with better chances to make trusted connections and take advantage of profitable opportunities. Families were natural ways to expand business and to hire trusted people. Children also provided for their family in old age. Instead of saving for retirement, you raised kids that had some level of filial piety and depended on them to take care of you. An extended family insures against bad luck like sickness or fires or market shocks. Marriage doubled the size of the extended family and thus all the benefits that go with it. All of these economic reasons for larger families have been supplanted by the government. Government provides health insurance, social security, unemployment insurance, not to mention compulsory education, student loans, and much more. All these, at least economically, supplant what extended families used to provide. Unsurprisingly, given the incentives, people have opted to depend on the government and all its programs instead of depending on the family. Of course, all these goodies come at the cost of compliance to government mandates. All of these government programs would not exist without fiat money. The various ways in which the government has induced dependence is all based on stealth theft through inflation. The productive are stolen from so that the unproductive can continue their dependency on the government. In an extended family, the lazy, no-good scoundrel would be disowned. But in a democracy, that person's vote matters more, so their dependency is not just tolerated, but encouraged. From a civilization standpoint, the trade from family dependency to government dependency is a Faustian bargain. We've traded intimate, productive family bonds for rent-seeking political ones which work until they don't. Leftist anti-family bias. What might surprise you is the replacement of family by government is no accident. This has been the explicit goal of a certain fairly influential ideology for the past 100 years, the Frankfurt School. A thorough examination of the Frankfurt School is outside the scope of this article, but their origins can be traced to both Marxism and Freud. If this sounds like a very odd combination, it is. Their theories were combined out of necessity, and their marriage in the Frankfurt School was something of a shotgun wedding. The Frankfurt School Marxism in the 1920s and 30s had a big problem. Karl Marx had written that when there was an economic crisis in capitalism, there would be a class consciousness that would develop which would lead to a revolution which would then usher in socialism. In the 1920s, there were huge economic crises in Europe, especially in Central Europe with hyperinflation episodes in Austria, Germany, and Hungary. Yet, there was no revolution. In the 1930s, there was a Great Depression in the U.S. and Canada, and yet, there was no revolution. Clearly, there was a crisis in capitalism, yet people wouldn't rise up and usher in socialism. 
what was going on. For many Marxists of the time, this was an existential dilemma. If Marx was right, the next stage of the inevitable economic progress that he predicted had come to pass. So why wasn't socialism here yet? The answer came from Frankfurt by a group of Marxists who were thinking through this very thorny problem. Their answer depended on the idea of class consciousness, specifically for violent revolution to bring about the next stage towards workers' paradise. The proletariat had to be class conscious first. Marxists before the 1920s thought that the class consciousness would develop from the economic crisis themselves, but the Frankfurt School argued that this wasn't a given. Instead, they blamed families for preventing class consciousness. They cited Freud and claimed that people were enslaved to a false consciousness due to their families' ties and needed to be woken. The language should sound familiar because current vernacular continues this trend. The meaning of the word woke was to get people to be class conscious and in agreement with Marxist ideology so that they could bring about a socialist revolution predicted by Marx. What Marx implied would be natural. The left figured out how to be instilled into everyone to get the elusive socialist revolution to come. This is what they called critical theory, whose descendants critical race theory, queer theory, and intersectionality pervades leftist politics today. The Frankfurt School blamed the family for why socialist revolution hadn't come. As a result, followers of Marx started opposing family formation, and with the help of fiat money, they successfully debased the family over the past 100 years. Marxist Infiltration Marxists were fantastically successful in getting their ideas entrenched. In particular, Hollywood, academia, and media were targeted by communist operatives in the 20s and 30s. These were people funded from the USSR who opted all over the world and were largely successful as can be seen in the institutions a hundred years later. Hollywood, academia, and the media are some of the proudest champions of the Frankfurt School. These groups, in turn, have influenced the political conversation, especially on the left. As a result, many of these programs have been instituted to get people dependent on the government. With fiat money to fund them, they've been successful in reducing dependency on families, ultimately degrading family bonds. Their goal has been achieved by opportunistically making family less and less important. As a result, we're in a situation we're in now where populations everywhere are shrinking. Broken Economics of Marxism Like all forms of Marxism, the main strategy is to take capital away from people that own it and give it to a central authority who can distribute it. The effect on families has been that the people who want to have children are being taxed for the benefit of those that don't. The economic incentive is to depend on the state and families aren't as necessary. The Marxist goal of getting the population class conscious, woke, and ready to usher in socialism was the benefit, and people producing economically was what was traded off. That's had a terrible effect, resulting not just in increased rent-seeking, but also in much less interest in starting families. 
In a fiat world, each new person is someone that needs to be taken care of. New people dilute the amount everyone else receives. This profoundly zero-sum attitude pervades the left, where even having children is frowned upon as harmful, whether to the planet or common resources. Though there is plenty of comparison for the people who already exist, there's little love for more new people in the world. The price of raising children as a result has gone up tremendously. Not only are the medical bills for pregnancies themselves pretty huge, but there's postnatal care, pediatricians, all manner of government-mandated and socially pressured things each child must have. Marxists have succeeded in effectively taxing the hell out of the children. Is it any surprise, then, that fewer children are being born? Without these government dependency programs, especially in the form of entitlements, the reason to have kids and start families increases tremendously. Each kid is a very close node on the network of relationships, and any skill they acquire benefits the parents disproportionately. Larger families naturally lower the variance for economic disasters and act as a form of insurance. Kids are assets under sound money instead of liabilities, as they are under fiat money. Fiat money has distorted the natural tendency for people to have kids, and Marxists couldn't be happier. Fiat instinct. Fiat money makes people have a high time preference. Most people in their 20s and 30s don't think much about what life will be like at 70 or 80. Yet, if you speak to anyone at that age, they make it very clear that all of those things you cared about in your 20s and 30s don't matter much later in life. Making partner at a fund just isn't what it was cracked up to be. Neither was getting tenure or buying that luxury condo. In fact, the only things that matter to people in old age are their health and their kids. The fact that so few people think about the future shows how pervasive high time preference behavior has become. Even worse, women are being shamed for not putting their career before their kids. The raising of kids has been so devalued in the fiat economy that the act of putting more people on earth has been debased to being lower than an email job. In every other period of history, motherhood was seen as a crowning achievement and a noble pursuit because without people, there is no civilization. The value of children. I've told my wife that whatever I do, whatever I accomplish, whatever I invent, Nothing I do will compare to the kids she brought into the world, and it's true. Nothing I can do will compare to the glory of making a person. This was the view of every culture and civilization before now. How did such a noble, meaningful, and fulfilling pursuit get debased? Through Marxist fiat incentives. Fiat money and all the dependency it created has been a cancer to having children, and it's no surprise that it's leading to civilization collapse. Bitcoin's focus on real value has led to a renaissance in rearing children and building families. This is not a surprise, since studying Bitcoin naturally leads to the examination of what value really is and how human beings ultimately create value through real work. The reversal of the fiat trend is finally at hand.
Bitcoiners, be fruitful and multiply. The top 10 reasons you are not having kids. One, having kids would mean less time looking in the mirror. Two, you want to go to clubs and parties at 85 because it'll totally still be fun. Three, it would be irresponsible to bring a new life into the world without a four-bedroom house and a safe neighborhood, a surrogate mom, and silver spoons to feed the baby. Four, how are you supposed to have time for World of Warcraft, manga, and your freemium mobile game if you have kids? Five, deep inside, you're just a wuss. Six, clearly, what your boss and coworkers think of you is more important than your legacy. Seven, you are incapable of picking up new skills like changing a diaper or cutting up someone else's food. Eight, you totally would if someone else would take care of, emotionally support, and pay for the child. Nine, because a whale species is going to go extinct or something. Ten, all your life, you've been imitating childish sociopaths. Why stop now? That concludes Jimmy Song's article, and um, I'm, I'm sure there are some things in there that you guys already know what I'm going to talk about and disagree with. But I wanted to start from the basis. If we don't have a civilization, if we don't have kids, then what are we going to be doing? Um, this obviously is the basis for where we're headed. The next generation. The generation that you guys out there are having now. Maybe it's your grandkids. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe you are looking at maybe younger brothers and sisters, cousins, what, whatever it is. We are seeing a decrease in population. And I see it you know, personally in my own life. And um, a lot of my best friends in this world don't have kids. And that's, you know, I, I guess it's a choice. But it's also one of those things that I see as a direct result of what Jimmy is talking about here. There has been a infestation, an infection into the natural, uh, the, the, the natural way of life, the natural way of family, the insulation from, uh, you know, traumatic and devastating life events. And, you know, from a guy this year that was on his back that had surgery, had an infection, had another surgery and had to recover and learn how to walk again and, you know, like was just absolutely helpless. Family stepped in huge. My my wife, my saint, um, Saint Meredith. Um, no, we don't believe in the Catholic Church. The, um, the, the, the things that she did for me you know and this is this is start right like this is this is that multiplication effect this family effect i had somebody here that could care for me during those times care for my kids during those times and i'll take it a step further you know i try to be that person that uh practices what i talk about you know we have a a, a large nuclear family here compared to, I think, most families, a generational family. Uh, her mom and dad both live with us and, you know, are in fairly good health. So to have them around and have them on site to where we're not just like giving them a bed, but they actually live here and they are comfortable here and they want to be here with our kids, 
we have like we have built in you know ba- built in babysitters. This is important. This is important, you know, to anybody and everybody that's out there. If if you if you can't do things, then you need help. And I will tell you the help that I received in the hospital versus the help that I received at home was night and day difference. Absolutely 100% night and day difference. So, let's the, the living with your parents or your your in-laws takes some positive communication. That is not what they teach in this day and age, right? Like love. How do you how do you make things like this work? Love is the key. If you love other people and you are cognizant that they also love you, which I think um, 99% of the time they do, right? You're going to have some disagreements. You're not going to agree on everything. You may have very, very different views on some things, but at the end of the day, for us, you know, it's, it's very simple. If they're not hurting anybody in my family and they're not taking my stuff, um, I think we're, we're pretty good, you know, like, Hey, cool. We can coexist inside and under the same roof. That is saying something with that being said, the family unit that is, you know, that is close and that can positively communicate with each other, even when you disagree Right, if you understand that they're coming from a place of love and you're coming from a place of love and that we all make mistakes, this is the ability to have empathy, the ability to see a different point of view. You don't have to relinquish yours. You don't have to you know roll over and, and just be, you know, uh coalescent uh to, to whatever they want. That's not the case. And it's not that you can't have debates. But you have to understand and you have to give the benefit of the doubt that they love you and you love them and you guys are trying the best way to move through this life as loving people in a family. That's it. It's it's not that difficult. People try to make it more difficult. People hang on to the past. They do all of these things, right? If you just put all that nonsense aside, and start out conversations where you absolutely disagree with, hey, I love you. And then have the conversation. You know, this is what you're doing. This is how it makes me feel. This is how it's affecting me. And I don't think you understand the effect that you are having. And a lot of times people don't. Because when you do love people and you do have them in close proximity and things like that, what you're talking about is you know, the ability to, to really wound somebody, right? You're, you're, you're opening yourself up for attack because you've let somebody in that close to you. And when somebody takes advantage of that, you feel hurt. You feel like they don't love you. You feel like they're a bad actor, like all that kind of stuff. This is not usually the case. The case is usually like Ayn Rand said, most people act in their own selfish manner. And you know, this just, it's just nature. However, if you also understand that most people aren't out to hurt people or take their stuff, especially the ones that love you, you're going to have much more productive conversations. So all in that piece right there, the family debasement, he is absolutely right that family debasement is part of fiat. Uh, it is part of this world that you know inflates and manipulates money. Uh, if you can 
if you can create and manipulate money, then what you can do is become extremely powerful and extremely wealthy off of the backs of others by making people dependent. And that's exactly what he talks about. Now, do do I don't know Marxists and Stalinists and Leninists? I mean, like all these different you know Eastern European European uh, types of ideas. Do they do that? Uh, yes, they do. You know who doesn't stop them? The Republicans and the right. And I'm not going to get in. I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole. I just want to make the point that the quote unquote conservatives only conserve what the Democrats have already debased in fiat. And they don't they they don't even know the game they're in. That's I think that's one of the biggest difference. So, you know, hey, look, if you're here and you're looking at, you know, possibly, you know, making a vote for a guy that will have no chance of ever winning an election, whether it's me or somebody else, understand the people that are not playing in this fiat game anymore, that are getting out of the banks that are getting out of stocks, that are getting out of exchanges, that are getting out of you know government bonds and everything else. Those people that are not playing the fiat game anymore are in a different place. They understand that that game is rigged and they're not going to play it anymore. That means that they can you know buck this the entire system. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take leaving their system financially. Some of you guys are ready to do it. Some of you guys are already doing it. It doesn't have to be overnight. But I will, you know, I would say that, hey, you better start getting ready to find that exit. I think probably within, you know, Q1, maybe Q2 of next year, I think CBDCs are here. Central bank digital dollars. And that is fiat. That is, um, they're not going to walk it back. They can't walk it back. So with all that said, um, dependence on the government has come from fiat, from both left and right. And I hate those people who lean more for fascism and people who lean more for socialism and communism. They're all at the tyrannical end of the scale. So, you know, tyranny versus anarchy, uh, anarchy being complete freedom and the uh, other end being totalitarianism, you know, both Democrats and Republicans are on that end these days. And it's because of fiat. So yes, has this has this stepped in? Has it tried to you know debase the family? Of course it has. So the natural, I guess, solution is to get out of it, to start looking at the future at low time preference, delayed gratification. If you can do these things, and you can begin to set the stage and teach your children what family is. I mean, up here, I've got not only, you know, my, my mother and father-in-law that live with us, three kids and my wife, but I also have my brother, his wife and his kids and my mom and dad. And I also have my brother's immediate family through his wife. Like they're all here and we all love each other and we care for each other. Do we all agree on everything all the time? Absolutely not. But we do have loving conversations. We do have respectful conversations. And we do understand where people are coming from. And helping even them understand that they are in a fiat-created society that is a bubble that is going to pop. And that things that he was talking about, like at 85 years old, are 
you know, like the, the cars and all that crap. Like that's not important stuff. What's important is your legacy and these kids. And so if you are a child and you don't have those things, you know, there are other ways. And so I will tell you, reach out and find these brothers and sisters that can be even a supplement to your family. You may be one of those people that, you know, is on your own. You may not be married. You may not have kids. You may not have immediate family. Man, find some people, find some tribe. And I'll tell you, in this Bitcoin community, it's easy. I have found more brotherhood, more like more just really down to earth people that want to help from a base level. And they don't, they, man, they come from everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. I don't care left, right, where, like all those different ideologies, they're getting out of a fiat system, a fiat system that doesn't value family, that doesn't value the, you know, the, the this, I guess, whatever cult, cultural behavior that says we can be independent. We don't need to rob other people through force and coercion to pay for our lives. We don't need to do that anymore. We have other ways. We may need to downsize. We may need to rethink some of our you know, earthly possessions, but in the long run, can we be independent? Can we be independent as a family? And I will tell you this, your chances of being independent and being free multiply with the number of family members you have, with the number of close friends you have, with the number of aunts and uncles, maybe that aren't even blood related that you have that your kids have, that people can rely on or people can turn to in a moment of need. That is real insurance. And that is something the state wants to provide for you instead of you depending on other people. Why? Because it gives them power. It gives them power over you because if they are giving you these things, they come with all sorts of strings. Marxists, they knew it, the, the Freudian school, they, like, they knew all of this. And they had the power of fiat currency to make it come true. And right now, we are in this moment, which I think is pretty amazing, right? Like, we're in this moment in history, like I was saying earlier, that when we look around, one of the greatest powers, and it's like a, it's a, like a superpower, one of the greatest powers of human beings is the ability to adapt, the ability to change, the ability to endure change. But to be able to endure change and, and see a better way, individuals have to be free. People can change easiest when they are free. People can create jobs for themselves and for others when they are free. If it comes with all sorts of rules 
and regulations and government tyranny and the way they have to adapt to a changing paradigm, to a changing global system, to a changing global economy, if it comes with strings attached, your ability to adapt to that new paradigm is encumbered. It is restrained. And when you are encumbered and you are restrained and tyranny reigns, the human species will not flourish. It'll flourish again when it's free. So, start thinking about what your most valuable assets are. It's not Bitcoin. It's not land. It's not gold. It is the future. It is your time. And it is your time with others. Find others. Create relationships. Have families. And I don't care what your families look like. I really don't. If you are loving, I don't care if it's male, female. I don't care if it's male, male. I don't care if it's female, female. I really don't care. As long as you're not hurting people and taking their stuff. If you can do these kind of things and you can coexist, maybe even under the same roof, your ability to thrive and adapt and be independent outside of this fiat system as it collapses is going to change the world for the better. It's pretty simple. I think at that point we start growing civilizations again. I think we start having more and more children. I think because we live in a deflationary time, a deflationary technology, a deflationary time to, to have a new deflationary money that we can interact with, that we, can tr that we don't have to have trust in other people, trust in banks, these rules, but not rulers. This provides us freedom. This provides us agility, adaptability. I know a lot of people have a lot of questions about this kind of stuff. I know this is somewhat entry level for Bitcoin. But that's where we have to be. We have to be at ground level for a lot of people to find and understand how this process of change and adaptability works. It starts with you. It starts with the people around you. It starts with the way you communicate with them. It starts with the children and relationships that you have and grow. And I think if you can find those, if you can create, foster, and love those relationships, I think we have a really great shot as a species of doing something amazing. I think Bitcoin is just one of the ways that we get there. Love, man, it makes it pretty simple. And I'm going to tell you this at the end, I think, of every podcast from now on. Go tell somebody you love them. Tell them how much you appreciate them for whatever they do in your life. I don't care if you haven't talked to them in years. 
Go brighten their day. Go thank them for something that was impactful in your life all these years later. You want to talk about low time preference. These people that have helped you along to this point in your life, what we've talked about in a fiat time, the people who have provided you with love, the people who have provided you with guidance, with inspiration, whatever they've provided you with. Recall that to them with love. Are you talking about changing the world? This is my new thing. This is what we're going to do. We are going to change people by loving them. And letting them know that when they loved us, it mattered. I'm also going to ask you guys, as this transitions, to go out and support the show. We're going to be doing a lot more shows. Maybe shorter, um, but we're going to be doing a lot more. We're going to have a lot more guests that are local that are doing amazing things here in the studio. As we get hooked up for fiber, the videos are going to start in person. Sponsors, sponsorship's going to start. You can support this show through Patreon, and I really, I can't tell you how much I appreciate everybody who does. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, especially in these times, in this rough year. And I will also tell you this. If you want to earn sats just listening to the show, there's a new app called Fountain. I don't get anything for this. Well, I guess I do. I guess I get sats. But here, two-way relationship. If you listen, you can earn sats for every, I think, minute you listen, for every podcast you're listening to. You can create clips, which create more sats, which also in turn benefit me. Because if people are listening to my show, I also get sats. So you can you can help me by just listening on the Fountain app. Uh, Patreon.com slash Radical Pod, you can help there. And even in these times, if you don't have any of that kind of stuff that you can do, um, you can still go over and leave a five-star review on Apple especially. Like Apple, Spotify, five-star review. And it really, it brightens my day. It lets me know that I'm doing the right thing uh, and that we are pushing in the right direction. So, until next time, I love you. I need you. Peace. Um, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff.